This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings, and I am your host. On this episode, the touchy subject we're going to discuss is homosexuality. Our panel consists of Gabe Salazar, the Artistic Director of the Gay Men's Chorus of South Florida, Tiffany Feltner, an Arts Administrator from Orlando, and Leo W.T., a seminarian, pastor, podcast and YouTube host, activist, hairdresser, and artist from Olean, New York. Hope you guys enjoy. So today we are talking about the touchy subject of homosexuality and how that is such a touchy subject in the church and with Christians. And, oh my God, I've had so many conversations. As And as a straight person... I I have such a heart for this community because I just see how they are treated. And so today I want for you to hear the stories of some of my friends. Um, and I just want you to hear from their hearts. That's the whole point of this is for you to hear for their hear from their hearts so that hopefully it can pierce yours. So the first thing that we're going to do is I want them to tell you their coming out story. So, Tiffany, why don't we start with you? Share with us a little bit about your background and then your coming out story. Yeah. So uh, my name is Tiffany. I grew up in the church. I was a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor in the Church of God. Um, and so grew up in a very um, religious, very conservative household. Um, I can remember when I was a young kid, uh, hearing about how gay people were wrong and going to hell and all of this stuff. So that was really ingrained in me. And, um, it, it was interesting growing up, <laughs> all of my closest friends eventually turned out to also be gay. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's fun stuff. Um, but it took a long time for me to come to terms with the fact that I was attracted to other women. Um, and I can recognize it in hindsight as far back as my early teens. Um, but I didn't recognize it in the moment until I was in my, uh, late teens, <laughs> early twenties. And, uh, I was already in college and this was after, you know, quite a bit of struggle with mental health um, and mental illness. Uh, there was even a suicide attempt in there somewhere. Um, really, really struggling trying to come to terms with who I was and, and how God made me to be. And at some point, I just finally broke. And I remember just saying, I, you know, I don't have the theological explanation for it. I don't have all of the words. I don't fully understand this, but I know that this is who I am and how I was made to be. And I know that if this is how God made me, he can't hate me for that. <laughs> and that was when I really started to um, become more comfortable. And it was many, many more years still before I started actually coming out of the closet to people. Um, and I let that just sort of happen organically. <laughs> um, but that's sort of my background. That's the start of me coming out of the closet uh, was just me 
coming to terms with the fact that uh, loving God wouldn't create me in a way that uh, would cause him to hate me. That's that's great. Gabe, you want to tell us your story? Sure. My name is Gabe. I um originally from Texas, so I grew up in Texas in a very conservative home as well, in the church all the time. And another uh, element is I grew up in a Hispanic family, which it's even more conservative than than you would imagine. So I spent most of my life thinking that there was something wrong with me. Um, go to church and every Sunday would go down to the altar and try to pray it away and just beat myself up over it and over about it. And wanting to have crushes on these girls in my youth group and and trying to and saying that I really did and, and convincing myself that I was attracted to them. And um, I didn't, uh, my, my mental health, the way I coped was eating. I, um, eating is an emotional thing for me. So I, by the time I was in high school, I was almost 450 pounds. Um, so that's how I wore what was inside. Um, so I went through my whole life. I, I, I wanted to be a part of church. I wanted to be in the ministry because that's what I was told to do. And I felt that if I was in that safe place, that God was going to protect me and that I, those desires would kind of wash away and um, that I'd be okay. If I was married to a woman and worked at a church, life would be great. Um, so I married my college sweetheart, my absolute best friend, and we got married and um Things were fine. I mean, things were fine, but they weren't great. Obviously, it was I was still really dealing with something. And um, it wasn't until I went to get my master's program where I, for some reason I got motivated and started losing a lot of weight and hundreds of pounds came off. And then um, that's when uh, I would say the gentleman started noticing. me. <laughs> so then it was it was kind of like an, an awakening for me because I was so. I was so heavy, and so there, I never really had any kind of romantic interactions until I was around 26. Um, so that was a, t- a brand new experience for me and something that I really couldn't hide anymore, even though I tried to. Um, and it just kind of took an, a, a set of ex- circumstances that finally gave me the bravery and just to finally come out and deal with who I was. And even when I came out, I wasn't okay with it. I really felt that I was disappointing God. I was disappointing my family for sure. I lost a lot of my family. I still don't talk to them, but they don't talk to me, I would say. Um, But throughout that process, I mean, I really have found my relationship with God to be even better. It's not that um, God that we put in a box at church sometimes, but something that who he, I've just been really been able to, to form a better relationship and, and just become a better person, a much happier person and being okay. Cause this is how I, I'm supposed to be made and I can still love God and still be effective and, um, still do great things. So I've been out probably, I came out when I was 29. So almost eight, eight years, eight or nine years. Yeah. Time flies. <laughs> it does. It seems like it was just yesterday. <laughs> it really does. Cause I'm, I'm like, has it really been that long? My God. Yeah. Wow. He was. And I also have a son. So that's part of my marriage. And, and that was the most beautiful thing that came out of that. Um, and it's, it's really special now because when I did come out and my, my ex-wife, who is now my, one of my best friends, we just, we both came from broken homes with really legalistic views. And we said, 
we're going to do everything we can to show that this kid is he's loved by his parents and there's nothing you know nothing is wrong with this um, i guess modern family that we have now um so he comes from, he comes from a place where his he knows his parents love him he knows that dad has a, a fiance and he loves my fiance and he's okay it's it's nothing to him like you say oh you know dad's going to get married to david okay it's it's just not like uh, oh my god when you know when i was a kid that was the reaction that you would get um but it's just it's refreshing to see that the kids nowadays growing up it's it's normal which it is it's completely normal i i loved it we were at i was at gabe's house last week or a little over a week ago oh, we- and we went to hamburger mary's for brunch one day and there were all these little kids around and they weren't scared. They were, it was just so nice to see them interacting and they loved it. Like one was dressed like a princess and the little girl mm-hmm. just seeing her eyes light up. It like, it really was special to see how it's just, it's very, like you said, it's, it's kind of, it's more normalized now. And so that is, that's a very wonderful thing. So I'm going to pass it to Leo. Um, Leo, what would you like to tell us about your story? Well, uh, my name is Leo WT. I uh, currently am a hairdresser in uh, rural Western New York with my wife and partner, Elle, who is probably the greatest person I've ever met. Uh, We uh, run a salon together and we parent five kids together. Uh, So, so far, yes, right. I know. Wow. It's a lot. It was not not in the original plan of mine, but really smoking hot. So you like got to go for it, right? (laughs) Uh, We have three of them are out of the house. We have non-neurotypical, biracial, gender-divergent children. I mean, it's a really interesting place to be, to be a Tahara in Olean, New York, let me tell you. So um, I am a a masochist, apparently, and I'm just into coming out. So I'm actually on my fourth coming out now. Uh, My first coming out was as a lesbian. My second coming out was as a trans man. My third coming out was as a non-binary person. And my fourth coming out is as a a reverend, um, as a person who was called to ministry from the beginning and has just recently decided that I've spent enough years dealing with the church that now the church has to deal with me, right? Like uh, you could try to discredit me all you want, but there are a lot of letters by my name that show that I know what I'm talking about. And you can't really take that away no matter what your opinion is. So um, I grew up in a pastor's household, right? Exactly. Yes. Um, I grew up in a pastor's household. My dad was a pastor in the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination, which is a, a small uh, evangelical missions-focused fo- denomination centered around the New York City area, um, but spread out pretty decently globally. Um, they're currently headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, I believe. And I went to a Christian Missionary Alliance college uh, and worked at a Christian Missionary Alliance summer camp. Like I was reading the fourfold gospel by A.W. Tozer at the age of 12 because I thought it would be fun. Like, I don't know. There were a lot of things wrong with me. Right. That would be fun. (laughs) I did. I did. I I came home from summer camp and it was on the discount book at the bookstore. And I was like, who would put this on the sale rack? (laughs) 
that was me. Like that was who I was from the beginning. Um, and I've always felt that sort of call to ministry, which I think the idea of calling can be sometimes harmful in retrospect now when I think about it. Um, but I've always felt that sort of pull in that direction, right? So I went to college pastor it is not a crackpot time to come out as a lesbian when you are between your junior and senior year of pastoral ministry college <laughs> uh, if you'd like to know what they will do they'll take you out of any and all public leadership positions they will they will you know collaborate with your parents to try to get you to go to reparative therapy and they will stick you in a single room which jokes on them because my girlfriend just lived with me for that year thank you very much nyack college <laughs> Um, but I, it, the, the first day of college, the first day of my freshman year, man, I graduated high school early. I just turned 16 before I went to college and someone came up to me at soccer practice and they were like, Hey, by the way, I'm gay. Are you? And I was like, you know, I just like floored, like had no idea what to say. And I was like, no, nah, man, like I'm not, but like, you know, I thank you for telling me, blah, blah, blah. But for me, that was the, the bell that cannot be unrung because in my brain from that moment on, it was like, why did they think I was gay? You know what I mean? Why did my friend Rach think I was a lesbian? I don't know. And that began a long process of inevitable realization of the fact that I was not straight. Uh, for me, that involved moving colleges a couple times. Uh, that involved three exorcisms. And I like to joke that the exorcisms were either failed or they're so good I look like a man now. Like, <laughs> jury's, <laughs> uh, jury's, jury's still out on it. But I, I, I say all of these things to accentuate the fact that I'm very stubborn and being gay was not an easy out. That's one of the things that makes me the most angry when I communicate my story is, well, you just didn't try. You know what I mean? If you really gave God the chance, you know, God would have changed your heart. Like, no bullshit. I tried, man. Three exorcisms tried. You know what I mean? And after the last one, after the last exorcism, I remember coming out uh, and going to the mall with my friend to pick up her paycheck and a very beautiful lady just walked in front of me. And all of a sudden my eyes just went like this. And in that moment, I instantly realized it was not a choice I was making. So win, lose, or draw, you know, celibacy or suicide, like whatever the option was, I just was gay. And um, after that point, I I came out and, I, you know, I told my parents like I was gay and it didn't go well. There was a year where we didn't speak. There was a long time where they didn't have my cell phone. There was a long time where I didn't have a house and I was, you know, couch surfing on New York City uh, on couches in New York City until I found a job at this Christian summer camp, which forced me back into the closet. But all of those things really, really led me to a place where I was questioning my sense of calling. It took me about 10 years, but I've finally, finally wound back around to realizing that um, the church needs queer people more than queer people need the church. And uh, whether or not I like it, re as reluctant as I am some days, I am reluctantly Christian and I, I have a voice that needs to be heard in Christendom. Um, and so I kind of have through a lot of twists and turns, I've come to this place of recognizing myself as a non-binary, you know, as a queer pastor. Uh, and what happens next from there, I don't know. But I realized that like this is intrinsically part of who I am, both being queer 
and a person who has a pastoral heart. So where we go from there, I don't know. But both of those two things are fundamentally true about myself. And to disavow either one or the other would be to live a half truth. Absolutely. I agree. So you've all kind of touched on on some of the questions that I have in mind. Um, but I know, like Gabe, you mentioned that um, your relationship with God has strengthened as you came out. But how has this affected mm-hmm. your engagement or relationship with the church? Um, I, it's been a rough, a rough, a rocky road to say the least. Um, I've always been working at a church as a worship leader since I was 18, um, you know, singing worship services and then traveling in college with, uh, you know, traveling groups, leading worship every week. And it's, I loved it. It's something that I, I just felt at home. That's where I feel the closest, um, connection with God. That's how I worship, um, and so it was really rough. I was working at a Christian university at leading worship and directing. And I was also working at a church, a large church. And I was outed. Um, I was getting ready to come out. I was making my plan. I have like, you know, it takes a while um, for me. I needed to get things in order. And I was outed by a family member to the university. So I was called into the office and told I was a predator. And then I would be escorted off with security. Um, And then I had to go to my church and tell my pastor that I was going to resign. And he told me that if I did not go to counseling, that I would never, ever be effective in my life, um, whether that be ministry. Um, So that really stung (laughs) to hear that from people that I thought were my family. These were my colleagues. These were the people that we did devotions with every morning and praying for each other. And then just like that, they turned their back on me, like blocked my number, um, wouldn't even act like I existed. So that was really tough. I had to like completely uproot my life and I moved to LA um, and I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't have, I had a performance degree and I've been working at a church my whole life. So I applied to a, a another church because I had to make sure that my son was taken care of and I had to find a place to live. Um, and luckily I, I got a job at a Methodist church. It took me a few years to come out there. I was very honest with, you know, at the beginning, but only my head pastor knew. And luckily, um, they were on the more affirming side. Um, so that was a good experience, even though the whole church was not affirming, I still dealt with it a little bit. Um, but I, since then I haven't been to church since I stopped working there, moving to Florida where I'm at now, I have not been to church in about a year and a half. And there are parts of me that really, really miss it. Um, But there are parts of me that are still, you know, a little timid about going and having, I don't feel like I have to, should I have to explain myself? Um, This, you know, I should just be able to show up and worship and not worry about, can I be on the worship team? Or is it okay with you, you know, that I'm sleeping with another man? So it's, you know, it's just a work in progress, I would say. Um, I'm not as bitter as I was um, when I came out about eight years ago. So that's, I can tell that there's change happening. But I'm also, as I get older, I just don't give any more Fs about what people think. So it's my life. I'm going to live the way I want to live it. I can go to bed with a, a clean conscience at night. And that's all that matters. Absolutely. So, sorry. Oh, he did. <laughs> no, and that's, but that's the conversation that I feel like people need to hear because... They don't yeah. understand the power of their words as they are saying them, like saying that you are never going to be effective 
unless you go to counseling. Yeah, I can, I can remember the exact place I was sitting, like what time it was, what I was wearing, what he was wearing, because it was, it crushed my soul when he said that to me. Like, I just felt so depleted and like I couldn't get back up again. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it really impacted me. And just words. I mean, let that just, if you're out there listening, let that be a lesson. We have to really guard our words. Uh, I mean, the Bible says, uh, out of the mouth comes the abundance of the heart. Um, and that's not saying anything very nice (laughs) about your heart. Right. Um, I mean, that's, and that's really, that's my whole thing here is like, I just want to make sure that people take into account the other person that they are saying these things to. want to thank our panelists for sharing their stories and I want to thank everyone out there listening for joining us on the Touchy Subjects podcast. Make sure you tune into part two of our conversation on homosexuality where we talk about the LGBTQ plus community's relationship with the church. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one.